0: So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me in our reading. We are in the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, and we're reading verses 25 through 34. And if you need a Bible, please let one of us know. Um, We do have some Bibles that were donated by the uh, late Roy Hill and the Good News Sunday School class, and we're thankful for those because we want everybody to have a Bible. So hear this reading this morning. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God, who so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're continuing in this new series of silent killers. You know, there's silent killers uh, physically in our lives like heart disease and hypertension and diabetes, but we also think there are some spiritual and emotional silent care killers. And this series is going to look at some of them and help us to diagnose and treat them with God's Word and the Gospel. So today we're looking at anxiety, and I want to say that it's a little bit different than stress, although both can have similar symptoms. See, we have stress all the time and concern on some degree every day, like what to eat, what to wear, passing a test, um, or just getting through our to-do list that seems longer than the day is long. So before we dive in, I want you to do something with me this morning. If you will, either hold your hands out or just put them in your lap and hold your hands up because we want to receive, we want to give to God and then we want to receive from Him and we're going to have a a breath prayer this morning. So close your eyes and let us breathe in God's love, His grace, and His mercy. And let us breathe out. of the tension and anxiety and worries that we came with this morning. God of provision and rest, take away the concerns and anxiety within us this morning. Give us this time of Sabbath to rest in you, to hear your voice, and to let go of all the distractions and noise around us this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So now that we're all relaxed and we've let go of a whole bunch of stuff, now we get to dive into anxiety. And even speaking that word makes you want to wring your hands and do that. In fact, Stephen and I were talking about anxiety one day and he says, Kim, you're talking about it and you're wringing your hands as you're doing it. And then I, I didn't even realize it. But it makes your hands kind of sweaty and, you know, my heart races and then I kind of talk a little bit fast until I settle into my routine or my rhythm there. But anxiety, if we look at it, this clinical diagnosis or clinical definition I want us to look at, a nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior or panic attacks. We think about anxiety, and we all have it to some degree every day, as I've said. It's that feeling of worry or uh, nervousness or unease, typically about some event that's coming up or something with an uncertain outcome. See, we obsess and think about this thing over and over, and we toss and we turn and we have restlessness over things that we can't control. There might be situations that we can't control. Can control but we tend to worry more about the things that we can't control and that includes people so let me just go ahead and let you know we cannot control people we can't control how they feel how they're gonna react so just mark that off your list of anxiety this morning even though it's probably still gives us anxiety that we can't change some people But our heart starts to race, we get stomach issues, we get headaches, and I have to admit to you this morning, Um, I struggle with anxiety. So I'm going to be vulnerable with you for a moment. I do struggle with anxiety and I've had anxiety before where it started to seep into that realm of depression. So I'm thankful for God's provision of putting people in my life that have helped me with that, um, including a great doctor who has helped me and for modern medicine. So, but we all have some degree of anxiety. So in my anxiety, you may notice that I sit and I twist my hair. If you haven't, now you're gonna notice that. That's one of my signs. But I I twist my hair and sometimes I'm doing it because I'm just intently listening to what's going on. Sometimes I do it because I'm really nervous and, and, and anxious and stuff notice I keep doing it this morning, but I will admit that sometimes the conditioner in my hair just feels so good that I just want to twist my hair. So it's okay. It's kind of like the duck on the pond. I try not to let you know which one it's going to be. You can't see my nervousness underneath it. But this is a tool that the enemy can use. He takes this innocent thought that we have and then he turns it into the wrong direction. You know what I'm talking about. It's like Oh, did I leave the coffee pot on? As you're getting into bed and you're, oh, I'm so tired. Did I leave the coffee pot on? Did I leave the heater on in my office? And and there's things and it starts. One little innocent thing starts, but then it can be some major things. But one thing leads to another and then we can't stop thinking about it. I love how Stephen Furtick put it. He said, it's like this spinning that we do. There's lots of emotion or lots of motion. And I'm going to attempt to do this morning without falling off the stage this morning. But he says that you start... We're starting right here, and I start to spin and I spin. Now, I've got lots of motion and lots of action, and I'm using my hands and I'm using my words, and I just keep spinning and spinning and spinning. And then, when I get right back to the start, I'm dizzy, I need to refocus, and I'm a little bit wobbly. So that's kind of like anxiety. You just spin and spin, but you find yourself right back at the starting point and nothing's really changed. So I think about that time when we're spinning. It becomes hard to discern your thoughts. It becomes hard to discern trust who you can trust, the things you can trust, even if you can trust yourself with decisions. We just kind of get wobbly and disoriented. Now, think about the spin cycle on your washing machine. You know, your clothes have washed, and that spin cycle goes and goes and goes, and the object is to drain, if it's working right, to drain all of the water out of the clothes. Now, sometimes your your washing machine might make a knocking noise or kind of wobble and stuff, you know, because you've overloaded or it's gotten off kilter a little bit, and then we have to reset it, but it spins and spins and spins to get that that water out of it. This is like anxiety. We spin and spin and spin, but unfortunately, life is draining out of us. It's exhausting. See, research shows us that a state of unending anxiety can reduce our life expectancy. See, anxiety can lead to unhealthy habits and practices like isolation, it can uh, lead to us acting out. So kids are not the only ones that act out. Adults can act out too. We can be irrational. We can be indecisive, have doubt in this worry. It causes brokenness and fractures in our lives and in our relationships with others, including our relationship with God. Now, just like shame, we see that anxiety can be this spiritual inflammation that can silently eat away at our soul. Because, you know, when we're anxious, things happen. A lot of times we want to keep it in and, oh, I can do it. I can do it on my own. But anxiety keeps us, the one thing, from living in the fullness of God's kingdom. Of living in the fullness of God's abundance for us. So this passage in Matthew this morning is Jesus' answer to anxiety and obsessive worry, and He warns about worrying and gives us these instructions about trust and getting one's priorities straight. See, we're to seek first the kingdom of God. See, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 25, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? We realize with these words that Jesus is instructing us that there's more to life than the material and the basic and the temporal worldly things. But sadly, a lot of the times in our moment, the world consumes us, and that's what we worry about. See, he's instructing us about this basis of excessive worrying and, and anxiety that can result in a life being separated from God. It's not that God moved, it's that we have moved. And this anxiety, you know, that's the devil's playground right there. Anytime he can get us distracted and away from the Lord, and worry is a number one tool that he uses. Look at verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? See, there's some things in life that we simply cannot control. Like, for instance, when we are talking about adding one cubic to your stature, that's your height. A cubic is 18 inches, and boy, I would love to be 18 inches more tall, but I can't. So I have to tell you that God's provision, God designed me to be five foot three and a half. And that's as tall as I'm ever going to get without heels. His provision provided the shoes too. So maybe that's a way of saying he's given me some height. But my height is something I cannot change, no matter how much I desire and wish to be taller so that when I go in the grocery store I don't have to step on the bottom rack to get something off the top. Or I don't have to look at somebody and say, excuse me, I'm vertically challenged and you're not. Can you reach that for me? But I can't spend my time worrying about something I can't control. So this is a great example of something that we cannot control. So why worry about it? Trying to change something out of our control. It speaks to volumes of many many things in our life and we have to realize that there's some things that we cannot change and we know we cannot change people no matter how much we desire to change them and see and if we're always focused on these things that we cannot change we're not focused on the things of God we're focused on our own ability and what we can control and we get distracted See, God assures us all throughout Scripture that he will provide and he will always be with us. So for a few moments this morning, I want us to look at how we can move from anxiety to assurance. And the first thing I think we can do is accept that God will provide. He tells us in Matthew 6, 26a, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then over in verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. See, Jesus is instructing us to look at the birds of the air and consider, or rather look carefully or closely examine these lilies of the field. You know, birds do not reap and sow and store up. I love to watch birds. They fly around and they always seem to find what it is to sustain them. If you ever see them, they're pecking at the ground. And you know what? God puts us in those birds' lives. Because how many times have you thrown out some bread or something or taken something out to the woods to feed some of the animals or something that might come up so they don't come on your front porch. But that is a sign of God's provision. The birds are not worried about it. Then look at those beautiful flowers, the petals, the stem. It gives life and it gives happiness. I don't know too many people that have looked at a rose and went, eh, it's all right. Flowers bring us joy and make us smile. Guys, I'm just going to give you a tip that girls like flowers just going to say, they make us happy. There you go. So, and, and yes, they're just make us happy. So in these verses, we hear about faith and we hear about provision. We hear about trust and sustainability. So it's not saying that food and clothing and shelter are not important, but as disciples of Christ, we pray, give us today our daily bread And when we pray it, we have to trust that God will provide it because God will provide it. We also hear Jesus tell us, oh, you of little faith. It's not the first time we've heard him say that. We simply have to let go and let God. I call that LG squared. So let go and let God, and remember that when we let go of it and give it to God, it's not ours to take back. And I know it's easier said than done, but God does provide. See, when we're spinning and spinning and spinning, we need to just stop and take a breath We need to look up and look down and look all around us and look ahead and look behind because there is life and it's abundant. It's God's creation. It's God's provision. You know, when God created everything, he said it was good. I like to think he gave a Fonzie, hey, it was good. And then when he created you and me, he said we were very good. So we should stop and look at his provision, the beauty that's all around us. It means that in hard times, there will be hard times. We were never promised it was going to be a bed of roses. But in hard times, we can hold our heads up and we can see God's abundance all around us, whether it is small, whether it is large. So I want you to look to the people around you this morning. Look to your right and look to your left. Go ahead. do that. These are people that God has put in your life. You are not alone because life was never meant to be lived alone. And when you think about that, that your provision of God in somebody's life and their provision in yours, you can just see God's abundance for us. His provision means trusting him through the people he's placed in our life because this is what the body of Christ does. We share burdens with one another, but we also rejoice in the good times. You think about a single piece of straw. If we were trying to sweep this whole room with one little piece of straw, but imagine a whole bunch of pieces of straw tied together to make a broom. This is us. We can do it with God and the people he provides So we need to stop spinning. Psalm 46.10 tells us be still and know that I am God. We need to stop spinning and get a balance and look, intentionally look. Abundance and provision is all around us. And sometimes I think we just stop and look at the negative in this world and the people. We look at the deficits. We spend a whole lot of time in the world when we need to be spending more time in the Word. We need to sit in solitude and silence so we can hear that God is speaking to us. So this week I challenge you to turn off your TV, turn off that radio and please get away from social media some and just look at this beautiful world that God has created and sit in silence and then see what your soul has been longing to say to God, and then what God has been longing to say to you. The second thing we have to do is that we have to accept our value to God. In the first part of verse 26, we read of God feeding the birds of the air, and then in looking at the latter part of the verse, he says, are you not of more value than they? And then look over in verse 30, now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and throw it tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? See, if God cares for the birds, you know, we sing in traditional, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me. So if he cares for the birds and he cares for the lilies, how much more do you think that your heavenly father will care for you? See, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knitted you in your mother's womb. And get this, he knew you before the knitting ever began. If you go over to Jeremiah 1.5, I love what is spoken to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb... I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And then he goes on to say, I ordained you a prophet of the nations. See, it doesn't matter what this world says about us, how it discards us or defines us. Because remember, last week we talked about shame and getting rid of that shame last week. We have to remember that each one of us is a beloved child of God. I love what st. Augustine said God loves each of us as if there were only one of us so we have to know that we are defined by God and not this world and God says that we are his children so we just got to stand up and say I'm a child of the king the last thing I think we have to do is accept God's assurance see before ending this passage telling us not to worry about tomorrow. Jesus tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, he assures us that our heavenly father knows that you need all these things. He knows that we need food. He knows that we need clothing. He knows that the rent is due tomorrow, but he will provide. Are we trusting in his provision? He knows we need relationships, but first got to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that relationship with Him. We have to give attention and energy to the things that give life, not drain it like that washing cycle. It's being fully present to God and giving Him ourselves completely in worship and praise. It's praying without ceasing. And it's remembering to have Christ-centered prayers and not always crisis-centered prayers. It's serving. It's being present to others and sharing the gospel with them. It's getting, as I said, getting in the Word and getting out of the world. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. That's God's assurance. So we have to ask ourselves this morning, have we accepted it? So I think it's time that we stop spinning in anxiety and start standing in assurance. See, anxiety is a very real reality for so many. It can be short-term or it can be some debilitating um, thing in our life. But the enemy knows this. And he can use it to creep into our lives, planting seeds of in doubt, of confusion, of uncertainty, of telling us we're not worthy. I have to give two words. But God. And he tells us in John 10.10, 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly." That is a promise from Jesus Christ. So see, Jesus came that, so we could be free, free from these anxieties and stress that enslave us. Jesus came that we could have life and have it abundantly, and that life is for everyone. If we look at John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is God's assurance. And my friends, we trust God with our eternal salvation, so we need to start trusting Him with the things of this world that are just temporary. This morning, we have a great honor and privilege to share in Holy Communion together, remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross, but not just remembering this past thing, but what he continues to do today in our life, what he continues to do tomorrow, and what he will do forever. Each one of you, I hope, received a cross. And I'm sure you've seen those or you've had them before, your pocket cross. But when you need to know God's assurance, I want you to pull this out and just say, I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm turning it over because you've already taken it to the cross and I don't need to pick it back up. We need to start trusting in the assurance of God's grace and his love for us. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we come before you this morning and we give you thanks for that assurance and that promise of life eternal that you give us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, in our anxiety, and our worry to just turn it over to you, knowing that you will provide for us, that you love us, and that we have your assurance that you are always faithful to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.